welcome to episode six of Mum's Dad's Work, the podcast from wmpeople.co.uk. My name is Ben Falk. I'm the editor of Working Dads. I'm here with Mandy Garner, editor of Working Mums and Working Wives. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Ben. <laughs> it's Christmas time. This is our final episode of the season. It's been a lot of fun. And now sort of, well, Advent is officially upon us. The festive season, if you prefer to call it that, holiday season. Are you stressed already, Mandy, or or not? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Actually, not as stressed as I used to be when the children were younger. It's a more relaxed affair when they're teenagers and stuff. That they don't get up. They, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're at school, but <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's a bit int- it's a bit intense. There's lots of um, yeah, we're already kind of looking at the calendar and sort of thinking about you know Christmas yeah. fairs and Christmas and nativities and carol service and all these kind of things. There's a, there's there's a lot kind of going on. It's it's a it's a logistical. It's a logistical nightmare, yes, because, you know, I I have four children. So when they were all kind of younger and at primary school, primary school is just like one long thing after another. Christmas costume plays, as you say, Christmas fairs, pyjama parties, God knows what. But, you know, you had to bring in things all the time or, or have a specific costume for them. And it's also often a time when work is going a bit crazy as well, because it's that September to December meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like it just kind of all comes together in December yes it's 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 quite tricky to negotiate yeah Um, but we've saved an excellent guest for our final episode of the season we've had lots of great ones this 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 season some really good people over the last five episodes but we obviously love giving you kind of practical advice and and really useful tips that's that's our mo Who, who we listen to this week chatting to this week I should say This week, it's Jules Hawkins, who is the founder of the Single Mums Business Network. And she's going to be talking about everything to do with starting up a business, running a business, something that lots of parents do think about doing, (laughs) even if they don't take the the, the big leap into it. But yeah, she's got lots of practical advice, I think, for for how how to do that and and what kind of support's out there. Yeah, she's amazing. Let's, uh, let's, let's, Let's hear from her. Hi, Jules. Welcome to Mum's Dad's Work. Thank you very much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. So just, I mean, I suppose first off, tell us a little bit about how you started your your business. So my business, funny, I should have checked this with you before. My business, Key Products Limited, is what led me into the Single Mums Business Network. So I don't know if you want me to start from the very beginning or whether you want me to just come straight in as how, how we kind of met in this business. Yeah, I suppose let's talk about how how you work in the same space as us, I suppose. Yeah, so the the Single Mums Business Network was set up specifically because I set up my own business as a single mum several years earlier. And it was a a journey. It was a journey through extreme adversity, psychological trauma, depression, all of those things. So when I got to the point where I was okay, I really wanted to set up a network to reach out to people who I felt like I'd walked the same walk and I could give them specific tailored advice unique to their journey and, and what I knew that they would probably have to face under similar circumstances. So Jules, you sort of spelled out some of the things that you had struggled with. What were the main kind of challenges that you faced? So I was a professional woman for 20 years. I was a late mum age 35 anyway. So I'd been very used to financial autonomy, social acceptance, being looked at and spoken to in a professional manner. So becoming then a single mum at 35 and entering a world of benefits that I knew nothing about, there was so much, there was so much shame, stigma, 
the, the way people spoke to me and treated me was very different. And there was an assumption of lifestyle choice. There was an assumption of needed upskilling or incentivizing to work. And these were just very real barriers I faced. And so the entrepreneurial journey for me was a way to overcome those professional barriers that I was facing. And my will was just to continue working, to continue being self-sufficient financially. But that was a really, really difficult journey to, to sort of escape then those benefits that I had sort of fallen into and the stigma and public perception I faced during that time it, it was a really really awful degrading inhumane experience dealing with the DWP and trying to continue to find work that, that fitted in with childcare and school holidays and so yeah once I'd sort of been on that journey for six or seven years I reached out through social media I thought okay there were so many layers, the things that I experienced and the stigma and the barriers that I faced. I thought none of this is okay and I cannot be the only one. I cannot mm. be the only single mum who considers herself to be a professional, skilled, hardworking woman who is in this world then and who, who struggles to identify with how she is being perceived mm. from the outside world. So yeah, I reached out on social media, just sort of single mums in business are there any of you out there and and there they came yeah they were there and they were waiting for somebody to kind of say you know I see you I hear you I feel you and yes there are some issues here that we really need to tackle what, what I mean I suppose you know we, we're talking about we have single mums we have single dads um, single parents coming and talking to us and engaging with 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 us I mean what are the kind of things that you're seeing when people come to you and asking you questions what are the kind of specific problems or issues that they have that you you're trying to kind of wrangle and, and help them with so the it, yeah it's really interesting you say that so the most of the work that I do is very much the challenges are faced by all parents single mums single dads and married couples couples who have a partner working away you know we all face these similar barriers and challenges when it comes to fitting the working week and fitting the working year into the childcare year and into the childcare hours. Obviously we have a 13 week deficit with school closure, you know, you can you can cover nine weeks, you can take four weeks annual leave, but that still leaves you with your nine week deficit. So we all experience those same problems. So whilst I'm tackling those issues at government level, I'm really looking for a solution that solves that problem for all of us, for every parent who's trying to sort of balance work and childcare. So they're very much relevant to us all. And, you know, similarly, we have some single parents who may have more support from the other partner than married parents do, because you have some spice, military spices who do not have, you know, when you have a, a single parent couple where both parents are hands on parents, you effectively could cover eight weeks of childcare between you, but that still leaves you with a four week deficit. And um, so so it's all very much intertwined and it's very much a different such different reality for each individual situation but we all do have that same challenge of okay schools close 13 weeks of the year and the hours normally if you need to work nine to five or something like that especially of the school holidays if holiday club is 10 till three then really you can only work from 11 till two now no employer wants you to work from 11 till two for 13 weeks of the year and that's not financially sustainable either you cannot run a household on that so the challenges are the same for, for our community and the wider parent community. The unique challenges, which is why I kind of call it the single mum's business network, is because the single mum is the, the phrase, the title that people really struggle to identify with. That's the one that carries the most stigma and the most shame. You know, you say she's a single mum and, and there's this unconscious bias that most of us have 
you know, I even had it before I became a single mum, even though I was brought up by a single mum, you still have your unconscious bias of what the majority of single mums are. There is very much a belief, it's almost like a lifestyle choice, rather than this is quite simply your status following a relationship breakdown or a divorce or a bereavement or anything like that. So the reason I reach out to the female part of that community, that work, is because we understand that stigma. When we say, if you're a single dad, someone says, oh, do you want me to bring you around to cottage pie? <laughs> do you want some help? Can you manage this? Do you want me to teach you how to plait hair? It's a very, very different reaction. It's single mum. It's like, oh, why, you know, why, why don't you just get a job or, you know, why? You know, <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I mean, just I'll, I'll let Mandy ask questions in a second. Sorry, Mandy. <laughs> but because um, I'm interested, I, I completely understand all of that. And but one of the things I think that I find when I see and I get uh, single dads commenting on on things and asking for advice, particularly that they they there's a sense of like, what the hell do I do? There's a real there, there seems to be this like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Is that is that something that you get a sense of? Or, or do you think there's are there easy solutions to that? Um, so they we are better catered what single parents. So you've got obviously some some major charities out there for single parents generally. And on my website, I signpost specifically to single dad organizations. You've got only dads, you've got dads united, you've there's about four or five, six, probably even seven specific male only networks for dads in terms of single dads i think nav is the one who specializes for single dads but a lot of them are dads only networks um, and like i said they're all on my website on the on the useful links page and we need to signpost to them and i think michael ray is a brilliant single dad he's an australia but he's you know his reach is is worldwide and international he he's very much about promoting using language that disempowers single dads they are just as capable as being a primary carer parent they don't need mollycoddling or handling they can take care of the house and the bills and the plats and the food so we need to sort of stop using a language that makes them feel like they need help because they're, they're a parent too you know if you're a primary carer whether you're male or female you just crack on and get on with it but in terms of signposting I think it's hard for them to find obviously now if you google it, it's really hard for you to find I think that's why I put a lot of it on my website because it took me even in the work that I do around two or three years to find even all the single parent organizations I know about they're not it's not easy to find even on google and you know we are the most underrepresented community in terms of signposting and advice through government or anything like that um you don't get a, a, a leaflet or booklet when you arrive as a single parent to say oh you know welcome to the world of single parenting this is what you do this is where you go this is how you claim benefits this is what kind of support you can get there is none of that we don't take care of each other that way and even the I'm continually sort of trying to get the other larger organizations to share links to other organizations we must work together we must promote each other we must raise awareness you know you can't have this mentality of the market has to be mine people need to have the right to choose their own you know we, we tell them all the networks that are right there they choose which one fits them you know you can't try and sort of greedily hold on and say oh, I only want you to know about me I only want you to know about my advice and my you know we need to share more but in in terms of you know you, you said that, that you know, there's no signpost and nobody tells you what to do and uh, um, there's not is that because of the stigma do you think is that is that part of that why is there not more kind of signposting generally and what do you think your network in terms of sort of getting 
single mums or single parents together to sort of are they able to share you know what's worked for them on really kind of practical issues yeah so we're we're very sort of positive uh, we're solution focused it's all about positivity so to answer your question there the the reason that the signposting is weak at the beginning is because we're not recognized in this country as a vulnerable group at all not really we don't have any protected characteristics we are not a minority group in any way shape or form so therefore we're not a protected characteristic there are no we cannot make reasonable rights to adjustments to work or anything else. If we were a recognised group, we're not protected from hate speech. We're not protected from any of those things because we're just not recognised as being vulnerable and in need of some support because we don't tick any of the boxes that are sort of a minority group that is vulnerable and needs signposting or support. So it took me around a year after becoming a single parent when I was so low and so lonely that I was really searching the internet to find gingerbread, bearing in mind gingerbread, the charity have been around for over 100 years and have a lot of resources. The fact that it took me over a year to even find out about them, after seeing the doctor, after seeing the midwife, after going down the benefits route, after researching how do I get help whilst I'm sort of balancing this work act, at no point. At no stage did any of those people say, oh, there is a charity that exists, there is help and support out there. And then when you get to that point, when you find them, so you've got the likes of Gingerbread who offer kind of a community engagement, but sometimes you need a bit more than that it, because you psychologically you need to be around people who uplift and inspire you and tell you that you can still achieve and you can still succeed and you can you don't need to resign yourself to the fact that you're going to need benefits and support for the entire time that you live as a single parent you know you need you need escape routes you need to see ways out you need to see how other people have done it and how they're happy and how you know it's wonderful if you have a partner if that's a good and healthy happy thing to have but it definitely shouldn't be a need based on finances or affording a home or or anything like that so it's just about this real positive mindset of it's okay to be on your own and how to survive on your own financially and emotionally I guess I guess I mean what you do is you're very focused on the work sort of side of things um, gingerbread is much broader than that so you know having that kind of network and people being able to talk to each other about the kind of things that they're facing. I know that when we've done um, interviews and uh, profiles of, of uh, women setting up their own businesses or, or all that kind of thing you know a lot of them tend to fail and, and part of that is the isolation and also you know if you've got really young children a constant illness you feel like you're getting somewhere and then suddenly you know everybody has chicken pox <laughs> you just feel like nothing you're never going to get up again and do it to be able to keep going how do you help practically with those kind of things so so we're very much like you said it's a business focus uh, we're focused on ensuring that the there's more um, exposure because it's all about the affordability you know however supportive your partner or ex-partner may be you are covering the cost of two households at the very least when you're not living together so you haven't got two incomes per household so with that one income to then manage your business exposure on top of everything else that you're worrying about so whilst we have monthly zoom meetings to offer some moral support we are very much about focusing on the solution rather than the, we all know what kind of challenges we share. We all know that we need to do this on our own and we may be up in the middle of the night. We can't go to the garage for chocolate bar after 7 p.m. because you just can't. And, you know, all of those, 
all of those challenges that we know we share, we don't dwell on them and we don't put any real, we don't give any energy to them. We're there, we get each other, we know that we're up against it. But what we do is when we get together, we're like, okay, what practical challenges are you facing? And the challenges that we address are the barriers to work, finance and homes. So what barrier are you facing? Why are you facing it? And how can we overcome it? And this is this is our work. It's very much ongoing out then into the bigger world and saying this barrier should not exist. You know, we are very, very fortunate. We have our children. I watch Long Lost Family every week and I bawl like a baby every single week. It breaks my heart. These women had their children taken away from them. And the stigma was so great, you know, they felt like they that was their only choice. So we're very, very lucky that we do have a system and we can keep our children, but it's inadequate and it's still degrading and it's still inhumane. So we don't really wallow in self-pity. We're very fortunate. We have children. Again, many people want that. What we do is we focus, there are barriers, there are practical barriers, there are barriers that should not exist in the 21st century, the barriers that exist, they they just shouldn't exist. It's what, ridiculous. So what kinds of, you know, if you would like to give an example of some of the conversations that you have in terms of like that practical solutions focused sort of thing, what are the things that come up? Is it the same things that come up again and again? And is that something at the moment that you're seeing, you're anticipating sort of more the recruitment market the jobs market is very uncertain I think everything is very uncertain at the moment and there's like quite a lot of redundancies happening but at the same time there's vacancies and lots of vacancies how do you see sort of the current picture do you expect to have more people coming to you I yes I do I mean you know the stigma and the pressure continues when you are in a situation where you need support from the DWP nobody wants to be in that situation again it's a misconception that's a lifestyle choice once you experience it you know that nobody in their right mind would ever choose that certainly not as a permanent option so so there's that but then we've got this they say that um, ignorance is bliss and that's very very true and often until we realize that that there is light at the end of the tunnel you know you can stick an animal in a cage and until that animal escapes that cage and realizes there's life outside the cage you can't put it back in the cage so with lockdown with covid you know a lot of people realize that there is flexible working and there is the ability to work from home and you can avoid the commutes and you can avoid the the costs of parking and petrol and and those the, the extra hours that are needed for sort of childcare so we were lots of people were shown the world lots of people who still didn't know that world existed and I didn't, like I said, I was 35 before I even needed any flexibility or, um, so I was quite happy setting my alarm, going to work and getting back, you know, in time for tea or thereabouts. When you don't know any different, it's fine. But when you know different, it's not fine anymore. So we have now women and men who are being forced back into the workplace physically I really value being with a team in the place of work. I think that's really healthy. But when you're trying to do it to such a level that it's detriment to people's lives, people no longer accept that. You know, they know that there are companies out there who embrace flexible working or at least hybrid working or at least some sort of humane working where you can be at sports day or you can not be, I mean, most man-made manslaughter I call it most road traffic accidents most road traffic fatalities happen in rush hour traffic and that's a man-made situation 
you know, we've created rush hour traffic and there's no need for it anymore. And we know that and we've woke up to it. We're very woke. And I know people who really want to get back to nine to five hate the word woke. So I keep saying it just to wind them up. We're woke now. <laughs> we woke up. <laughs> um, so so people are going to look at enterprise as an alternative. Say, like, OK, if you're going to continue to be inhumane in the way you employ me, I'm going to go and do this for myself. I have more confidence in my skills and my abilities. And if you're not going to respect that, then I'm going to use my skills and abilities on a freelance basis and charge mm. more probably than what you're paying me now. So, so we're not accepting it anymore. You know, we've kind of we've got some cojones now and we're saying no, enough is enough. We're fighting back essentially. And it's not through cafe culture. Again, it's a huge misconception that we just want to lounge around and have coffee and watch Netflix or Jeremy Carl or whatever it is on the telly now. I never have the telly on. It's just about practically, physically, mm. not being able to be in two places at once. You drop your children at school, you crack on them, you do a really good day's work, you pick your children up, you take care of them, and then you can't switch off at night you know it's not that glamorous enterprise you you can't switch off at night you get back to work then and if anything I would say that's why it's easier being single because I haven't got I've tried in the past to date and actually it just interferes with my work in the evening and it's a, it's a massive inconvenience so I like no I, I actually have got work to do you know this is a 72 hour working week knife ending for myself and you there's no room for you <laughs> So I think it's easier for single parents than it is for married parents to have that, to put those hours in. What, one sort of more question for you, Jules, which is, what's your sort of next steps? Where do you see your work in this area taking taking you next? What's the kind of next thing you want to try and change or try and do? So the flexible working movement is obviously well underway. There are so many companies and so many organisations really making movement on this, which is great. With the government just need to link the dots, really. You know, it costs everybody money. If we don't embrace flexible working, it costs everybody money. If you force half of the parents onto benefits because they can't do flexible working, everybody pays that cost. So it makes no sense economically for anybody. It makes no sense to force people out of the workplace and onto the benefits, which is essentially what happens when you say, if you can't work from 10 to four, you can't work at all, uh, nine to five, you know what I'm saying? So now we need to move from the barriers to work to the barriers to finance and homes. So they're all intertwined, interlinked, you know, we have, really really unethical barriers to finance with credit scoring ccjs adversity stays with you for a very very long time you're punished for several years if you have adversity um it's not only barriers to finance it's barriers to work you'll refuse certain jobs and certain memberships if you've had adversity before um so we really need to sort of be more humane about that cdfis are brilliant for this they're leading the way and then barriers to homes we still have so many the stigma there's access to mortgages um, people are paying more in rents than mortgage, but you still can't get a mortgage if you can't save a deposit or if you've experienced adversity and your credit file is damaged. I think more people experience now than they would like to admit. And um, people are still, again, humiliated and ashamed of, of those difficulties. Uh, luckily, I'm not. I just talk about them, which people appreciate because lots of people are suffering in silence. So we need to remove all of those barriers and just be a lot more humane. I hope in my work, I hope it's not needed in 12 months is the truth. You, I shouldn't be needed. Like I said, these barriers, there's no reason for any of them. I shouldn't be needed. I should be off, you know, just working in a cafe, serving coffee, being quite happy minds in my own business. That's what I want to do. 
Great. Well, well, thank you so much, Jules. It's been really good talking to you. Let's hope that that's <laughs> that we do solve these problems very shortly. <laughs> but I think I have a feeling there'll be quite a long time to go before we do. Yeah, we can only but try. <laughs> thank you so much, Jules. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much, Jules. That was fantastic. It was lovely to talk to her. Really interesting, practical, brilliant advice. So yes, that'll all be uh, on the website. On the website, plural. So Mandy, that's pretty much it. Yes, that, the end of the series. Our, yeah, the end of the series, season, do we call it? I don't know, it's, it seems silly to call it a season, really. Although we are in the festive season. But it's been a great, it's been a really nice uh, six episodes. Hopefully uh, the audience has got a lot out of it. Um, I know I've learned a lot of stuff. What are some of the things that kind of popped into your head when you were thinking back to the stuff we've chatted about? Yeah, I know. I think for this series, so this is the second series, it's been much more of a focus. We wanted to focus more on kind of giving practical advice to people. So that's why we've had, you know, a series of guests and things. And I think that's been the highlight for me, uh, all the, talking to all the people that we, we've we spoken to, Emma Alkiri from the CV Guru, employment lawyers. We've had lots of employment lawyers talking about <laughs> all the different things that flexible working uh, legislation that's due to come in next next year hopefully and you know all other well Jules uh, Hawkins uh, Laura Walker last last time um, on midlife career reinvention lots of really really interesting advice and lots of free legal advice as well which has been good (laughs) free legal advice and also we had some really good discussions I think about things for working particularly in the kind of era of backlash (laughs) the covid backlash to remote and hybrid working so i think all of that has been it's been really good well thank you very much everybody for downloading subscribing listening finding us on social media all of the kind of all of these podcasts are on our various social channels you can find snippets of them on twitter x on youtube everywhere so so please do if you've if you've missed anything and you want to go back and dive in and find out stuff you'll find all the details up there in our on our podcast feed as well uh, wherever you get your podcast so thank you very much indeed thank you to all of our guests this this season they've been brilliant we really appreciate it and thank you very much mandy i hope you have a lovely um christmas period or festive period you too, Ben. <laughs> you get there. <laughs> awesome. Getting to Christmas. <laughs> well, that's the thing. One, one step at a time. All right. Thanks very much, everybody. And uh, hopefully see you soon. Bye.